Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 469 with a review of Logan Lucky. I am Christopher Schnazy. Ocean's 12, low-key, best Ocean's movie. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, as we said, uh, as we said in the last episode, kind of rush schedule. We're going to be putting out a few episodes at random intervals over the next two weeks while we were gone. Uh, but yes, previously in the feed, we had a review of Good Time, which... We all had a very good time with. It's um, always a good time. Now we're talking Thank about you. Logan Lucky. And then later, we're going to drop in a little review of Ingrid Goes West. So you have that to look forward to. But yeah, we're here talking about Logan Lucky. A.K.A. Ocean Seven Eleven. Hell yeah. <laughs> we're going to forgo opening questions. And we're just going to dive right into this review. But as always, we're going to start by playing the trailer. And then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Jimmy, I'm just gonna say it. I gotta let you go. You were just fired. I was let go for liability reasons involving insurance. The One-armed f- bartender. <laughs> you need to show a little respect. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they moved the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang. I am incarcerated. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. Well. Coca-Cola 600 is the biggest race of the year. We need a computer whiz. I know everything there is to know about computers, okay? All the Twitters, I know them. Welcome to the Coca-Cola 600. How many yards away is the vault? 20 yards. I don't know, maybe 30. Is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here. They're going to know what we want them to know. My life of crime is over. stupid. It's been handled. All this is gonna be good. That looks like it hurt. I want everything on Jimmy Logan. I'm about to get naked. So no bacon. I said no bacon. You Logans mustn't be as simple-minded as people say. People say that. <laughs> Would you give me my arm, please? Is it this one? <laughs> All right, so that was the trailer for Logan Lucky. It is about uh, these these two brothers, and they get themselves into a little pickle, and they come up with a little plan to try to rob 
a speedway because they got their they got their own banks there at the speedway because people be placing bets and all that jazz. And anyways, they have the <laughs> bank. They're gonna try to rob the speedway for fucking unknown reasons. There's, there's one word, okay, one word, and it's just NASCAR. <laughs> I was just, I was trying to throw. I was trying to yes and you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna clearly. They, they're gonna speedway the NASCAR. Yeah, they come up with this plan involves getting some people. Uh, basically, this is a bunch of rednecks trying to do a heist. <laughs> Why is sorry it so difficult? Is, sorry if rednecks is offensive to some people out there. But this is a redneck movie. and uh, It's a yeah. hillbilly heist. This ain't no high-class broad. No. Hillbilly heist. I like that. Uh, so let's do this. Stephen Miller, start us off. What did you think of Logan Lucky? So I I really liked it. I thought it was super funny. It was not tonally quite what I expected it to be. Though maybe the trailer should have primed me exactly for what did, to expect from this movie. Did the trailer not prime you for? It, it did a little bit. So so here's the thing. When you think when I think Steven Soderbergh movie, I think like snappy, witty, unfolds like clockwork, kind of with a little bit of razzle dazzle, right? Like that. That's kind of what he is known for at least what he's been building up in recent years and this felt almost more like a coen brothers type thing to me this felt like way more thriving in silly misfit characters who are not really doing as good a job as they think they're doing um i thought like and and that made it really funny like it, it had a great sense of humor i think nearly everyone in this is hilarious like i really i thought channing tatum pulled off this role very well without just being a caricature meanwhile all the great caricatures like adam driver and daniel craig and katie holmes like, like all, all these people i thought did a great job of just really diving into the the hillbilly world and it, it seems like a loving caricature but still a caricature right like this is definitely does, does it seem <laughs> I, I mean soderbergh is from the south i think so there has we're, to be some simple kind of folk. people say that <laughs> i feel like there has to be some kind of like wink involved here it, it seems like it's steering way too heavily into it without like feeling mean-spirited about it i like, mean it, it feels like somebody who may be used to a culture yeah and has come forth from that culture sure, and maybe and is making fun that... of like yeah. All, all I'll say is that there's a scene near the end of the movie where a song is sung, and I think that has some genuine pathos to it. And it's like, it is trying to toe the line where it's like, this is a culture that we can make fun of, but also people feel very proud of it. Um, but but anyway, I, I thought it was a super funny movie. I thought it was very clever. I loved a lot of the moments. You can't really talk about what happens in this movie without spoiling it, because the movie, even though the trailer gives away a lot of jokes, it doesn't really tell you what is going to actually go down in the film. Um, <laughs> there's a very funny moment involving Game of Thrones <laughs> that I laughed did, at a lot. Did you think that was funny? I did think it was funny, yeah. My audience thought that was fucking hilarious. And mm. I was like, all right. <laughs> Maybe it was because I was watching it the night of the finale. But like, it was just one of those things where I was like, really? This is like a five-minute joke. This is five minutes out of your movie you're wasting on this. But, so, so like for the most part, though, the, the jokes... It didn't play in like a snappy, overly witty way. That's that's why I want to think of it more as Coen Brothers. Like like there's a conversation that happens between uh, Jimmy and these two people who he wants to convince to do a job with him. Uh, who their name, by the way, is Bang Brothers, which is probably not a coincidence. But anyway, he they decide they're going to need to deliberate for a second. So they're like, we're going to need to deliberate for a second. Should we do this? Yeah. And then they immediately turn <laughs> yeah. around and do it. And that to me played very like burn after reading, right? Like very very kind of zany off kilter timing being a little bit off on purpose um 
But yeah, for the most part, it totally worked for me. I think it meandered a bit in the middle portion. Some of the slowness didn't really feel like on purpose. It kind of felt like they didn't know how to fill a full movie with all of the jokes here. Uh, and occasionally it felt a little bit more like Ricky Bobby and less of the the cool homage that he was trying to go for. But overall, I liked it. I thought he pulls it off in the the third act, especially, I think vindicates a lot of the rest of the movie. And most of the people do well. No idea what Hillary Swank was doing in there. Um, kind of like... <laughs> Setting car- up the sequel. It, it seemed like she was playing like a, a caricature of a person in another movie, but they never pulled the joke off in a way where I knew that that's what she was doing. Um, I also don't really know what Catherine Waterston was in the movie for, even though I think she's fine. Like, I'm glad that she's in the movie. Yeah, she is. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was just like a... Dude, they called them up and they were like, you want to be in a Soderbergh movie? Yes. Yeah. How big is the role? One scene. I don't care. Hey, hey, hey. There were two scenes. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. It was like how how Jonah Hill had, like, one line in Hail Caesar. Yeah, exactly. So this... It kind of had that feeling of being a star-studded cast that didn't care to use all of the stars, and that was fine. It's just people playing dress-up and having a good time. And I had a good time with it. Not, like, the most hilarious thing I've seen, but... I liked it. Carson Patrick, I can only imagine that you also love this film. Uh, Yes, but I 100% disagree with what (gasps) Steven said about uh, this not feeling like a Steven Soderbergh movie. Because he built it up by saying, oh, Steven Soderbergh features all this, this, and this. But not this movie. Uh, But I thought thought this movie featured every one of those components. I feel like uh, this is easily like any of his other movies. Um... If you, you know, had no idea uh, who made it, you could easily guess, oh, this is a Steven Soderbergh movie. Um, So, I mean, I just, I disagree with you on that. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really great movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I I went and expected it to be that way and I got exactly what I, uh, what I anticipated. And I, I did think the Game of Thrones joke was funny. I mean, sorry. Um, Maybe I just didn't like it because I did have the <laughs> as you were trying to reference in the last episode. Like all of the Spences they were, were just like, it. "I watch Game of Thrones too." Yeah, I don't know about the South, but Game of Thrones I watch. I mean, I also do think that. I mean, I don't think they were like really doing caricature, like a caricature of like hillbillies. Like I, I feel like they were. They're pre- being pretty loving towards it. Like it didn't feel like they were putting them down or anything. But I mean, maybe the <laughs> no. I, I thought the Logan family was a loving portrait. I feel like the the Bang family is a little bit harder to. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, those are yeah. I, I think that that's pretty cut and dry. But I just meant like in general. Like, I mean, maybe people from the South would beg to differ. Like maybe they saw the trailer for this movie and just thought it was another. Hollywood talking down to them, but um, I mean, I didn't think it played like that. Um, I thought Channing. Do you, Ta- do, do you think there's a single character in the film besides Logan's daughter or whatever his name is, uh, his daughter, that is like has any genuine positive attribute? Oh, I think I think Jimmy is a fairly positive character. I didn't see him as a very negative one. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily negative, but I mean, like, I, also Adam Driver's character, I thought is a fairly like gentle kind-hearted seeming person yeah but he's also very very simple right like i just i just 
I, I don't sure. know. I, I feel it, like Jimmy is not simple. That the, the, when the Carson says on, that this is Steven Soderbergh, yeah, I think it's for a few moments when you are convinced that he is not simple. Actually, that like they know way more about what they're doing than they let on. I mean, it's kind of in the same way that uh, like how Benny Safdie played the brother in Good Time. Like, I don't think that was you know. It, it's kind of that same way. Like, yeah, I guess you could say they're simple by. I mean, but, but, I don't. But I don't in the think good that time, they were... there were there aren't jokes at the expense of the brother. You always feel for the brother, and I feel like in this movie, I didn't think oh. it came off as like, look how dumb these rednecks are to me. Like it didn't come off as mean, like talking down or something. I mean, I didn't think I I personally just didn't see that. Like I I thought like the whole movie had a very good natured spirit. Like I think that they were kind of. They were kind of reveling in the fact that this was like a ramshackle version of Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I don't mean, I just, I just, I didn't see like any like streak of mean in it or anything. Yeah, I, I didn't read it as mean either. I, I think maybe some of it was more cheap than other parts, but I don't think any of it was mean. Yeah. Um, but I mean, anyway, like, I mean, I thought all the acting was, was great. I mean, it was, it was fun to see Daniel Craig and, uh, in an atypical role like this. And, uh, I mean, yeah, Channing Tatum again and Adam Driver, like again, prove, uh, why they're like very in-demand actors. It's funny because, um, I was watching Channing Tatum was on Jimmy Kimmel and, uh, like, he was wearing this tie that like his daughter had painted and he was talking about it. It was all very sweet. And I was like, Oh, that's, you know, Oh man, Chay Tatum's such a cool guy. And then you scroll down to the comments and it's all just like, Chay Tatum isn't hot anymore. <laughs> Chay Tatum's such a dad now. Whoa. Channing Tatum really let him go. Like every comment was what? like that. And then, so it was kind of funny coming into this movie. And I remember the first thing Sarah said when we walked out was like, the whole time, all I could think of was that Channing Tatum isn't hot anymore, <laughs> because like he is playing like the, he is playing like the like blue collar like dad, rocking dad bod, like he's like that character. But I mean, he does it, it is really he rocking well. Dad bod? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like he's got a limp. <laughs> like, I, well, he definitely I, doesn't look like he's he cut, looks his, the same cut his shit. As he does like, in every other movie. He's just limping more. Well, I mean, right, so he's I, not Eddie Redmayne. Okay, he's not fucking. He's not doing a Magic Mike routine in this movie. You know, it's like he, yeah, but just because he doesn't take his shirt off doesn't make him have dad bod. Well, I just thought it was funny that everybody is like turned on Channing Tatum apparently and doesn't think he's hot anymore. So it just added an extra layer of comedy. That one was for me. Uh, clearly, that was. Uh, I was just. I was just trying not to regurgitate the same stuff, man. I mean, come on. Uh, That's fine. Uh, uh, other than that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, do you uh, think Seth MacFarlane worked? Yeah, I thought he, I thought he was fun. <laughs> I, yeah, no, he, he was like one of the, one of the few people that I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't like what you're doing here. And the I mean, problem is he's so outclassed by every other person in the film, mm-hmm. even though they're not playing great characters. That like he seems he, I don't know, he seems like the way he would be on set. If he wasn't actually in the movie, but was doing a bit where he was pretending like he was in the movie, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I saw a lot of people saying that he like felt unnecessary and out of place, but uh, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I I felt like he fit right in with the whole like goofy tone of the movie. 
I mean, um, we, we might have to have a mini spoiler segment, but I feel he's very important to the plot. I mean, I might yeah. have misinterpreted something. But. I, I feel like most people's criticisms were with the British accent, and like, I mean, I can't tell you whether or not it was legit, but it sounded legit to me. <laughs> so, I mean, what the fuck do I know? But I thought he was fine, so. Yeah. Chris, what did you think about Logan Lucky? What did I think about Logan Lucky? <laughs> and how much do you think was impacted by the Spences that were surrounding you? Uh-oh. No, no, so, so they weren't Spences in the truest sense. I just mean that, like, there were people very much enjoying this film mm-hmm. um, to a degree much higher than I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, so I, I've seen, like, way too many versions of the trailer for this film because I was trying to find this one version I saw, like, a week ago where I was like, oh, they actually edited this trailer into something that like I would have actually been excited to see. Like somebody made there's just one cut, I can't find it. I might have had it like seen it in a fever dream, but there was one cut that was like if Edgar Wright edited the trailer for for Logan Lucky. I've seen that somewhere and I was like this movie looks rad. Every other trailer basically presented exactly what this film was. For you guys it was a positive, for me less so. Um I I don't know. I, this was a film where it's like I mildly enjoyed it. Like there were things where it was kind of fun. I kind of liked the characters, but I didn't like them enough to really get behind the film at any point in time. Like it was one of those things where like I was never bored and I didn't hate the movie. It was just a film that like didn't do much for me at all. And it was kind of like, you know, in the in the funny moments, I kind of enjoyed it. Little gags here and there, I enjoyed it. I liked the premise of what they were doing, even though it was sort of convoluted in, like, the motives that each character had trying to participate in it. But I kind of liked just the silliness of the film. But overall, which is the thing where it's like, I am watching this because it was a thing that was coming out this weekend and we were going to have a chance to talk about it and not because I was excited for it. And having seen it, like, it, it was exactly what I expected from it. And it didn't deliver any more, any less. It was just a thing where I was like, you know what, this is... This is not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you like it, that's totally fine. I won't fault anybody for liking it. It was just one of those things where it's like this – like it's I, – I didn't watch uh, – what was the show on TV? Uh, the My Name is Earl. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I didn't yeah. watch that show because I had zero interest in it. And this this feels like what I expect that show was like. <laughs> so the, the issue I would take with that is I didn't watch My Name is Earl either because it seemed like <laughs> – pretty boring and predictable i, I watched like this every movie is, season this is like a totally cleverly constructed script and plot and i think things do fall together in a very so here, very here, nice but way. here's the thing is like th- this this film is itself re- referentially references uh, that's redundant it, it it talks about oceans 11 itself right mm. and this film does something at the end which tries to like subvert your expectations of the the entire conceit of the heist in general. And I think that the film does not earn that. It just shows you that. It just decides like, "Oh, by the way, here's some stuff let's show you." And I don't feel that like no, you're as the audience, you're not in on whatever's going on you're just watching things play out so when they show you extra stuff that you weren't privy to it doesn't feel like oh shit i saw that the whole time it just feels like oh and also here's things and because of how little you get about why they're doing anything beforehand it doesn't feel like a twist or a trick or a oh my god it just feels like okay you said it was this kind of movie so 
you did this kind of movie. So it might be worth a little spoiler section for for those parts. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I would say the, the Ocean's movies definitely also play exactly that way. You don't know what they're doing and then get surprised by a twist. You learn the twist happens in real time while you're learning what happened the first time around, right? Like, that's how, like, Ocean's 11 and 13 at least play out. Yeah. Um, but I think even this this movie sets it apart, sets, sets itself apart from the Ocean's movies, excuse me, even more so because, like, I don't know, I just think that, like, uh, Soderbergh is always, like, trying to take things from different angles and stuff, and I thought that, like, the way that this played out like, I like that it just wasn't, oh, hey, let's make Ocean's Eleven, you know, except with NASCAR. Um, like, I, I like that this is kind of like the, like, Steven Soderbergh Zodiac to Seven type of thing, where he could have, like, two existing... You just compared two J- films that I adore to a film that I did not have fun with. Okay, like well, just, just remove Zodiac the... is to Seven Yeah, Logan Lucky. <laughs> because they're, ones, they're both serial killer movies, these are both heist movies... I don't. I mean, I thought that was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, Zodiac I, being the slow burner and Seven being the like. Yeah, because this movie is pretty, is pretty you know um, lackadaisically paced. Like it's Zodiac happy to is a little meandering. I, I will say that um, I, I definitely don't fault anyone for thinking this movie would be a little more uh, zany and snappy because uh, I'm sure I mean that's how they sold it. But yeah, it's definitely a little. A little uh, slower paced than um, than what the trailer kind of sells it as, but uh, I mean I like that. So that's why it felt like it felt like he was like not trying to just you know do the like same movie again, but a different setting. Like I mean that's why I think that even like um, I mean I think Ocean's Thirteen is is good, but like I that's why I really like Ocean's Twelve because like like they're just like oh fuck it like let's not make just a typical sequel like let's just get really fucking weird and meta with it and try and change things up. And I think, you know, Soderbergh's always coming at it from a different angle. Like, I know, I know, Chris, you didn't really like Haywire either, but that's like a different, that's like the same kind of thing where it was like he was, it was like taking that genre, like the spy action genre, and then putting it, his spin, like the different, different spin on it. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was with, like, the MMA check in it, right? Yeah, Gina Carano was in yeah, it. Yeah. That was the first of the C-Tates collabs. <laughs> in, in my, it took me a second to, like, I was like, Haywire, I know the movie, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's just, uh, it, I felt like that the, I liked that they, they pulled back on some of the things. Like, they, they didn't show you, like, every facet of the heist while it was going down. Like, I like when it when it came back around and showed like, okay, like this is what happened and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I mean, it's just like every single Soderbergh project, it just makes, he makes everything look like stupid easy. Um, like it's like, <laughs> like this movie is just like so effortlessly made. Um, and you, I, I don't know. Like, it's just every time I see one of his movies, it's just like, oh man, like it just looks like, there's not an ounce of fat on this movie. It's just, like, got in, shot what he wanted, and then that was it. Like, like this movie is just, like, it's slick, and and uh, it moves at a clip, and, like, that's it. Like, I feel like that's how all of his movies are. 
Yep. Cool. <laughs> uh, any more thoughts on this film? Oh, I think if we do tiny, tiny, tiny spoilers, then that's enough. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do. We'll do a short spoiler. Um, we can do. We can do the spoiler section. Um, let's close the episode out, and then we'll get to the spoilers. So let's get to a verdicts. Stephen Miller, must see. Reckon with the caveat. Wait for rental. Pass the caveat or must avoid. I'm gonna give it like a soft must see. This was an a totally likable movie. I had a good time. I have trouble thinking anyone will not at least like somewhat enjoy it. I think it it's like clever and fun, and it has a nice payoff. And even though I said it isn't typical Soderbergh, because to me him deciding to run it in a lower gear than his other films made it seem notably different. I do understand that like he's doing that on purpose and he's like playing with the formula and it has that kind of whimsy of playing with the formula that you go into the movie to see. And I think it plays off well. So yeah, it, it isn't like my most rave film of the year, but I think it's a fun movie. You, you definitely get what you expect from it. <laughs> Carson Patrick. Uh, yeah, definitely a must see. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie, guys. I don't know, but just, just <laughs> someone stop me, please. Take it over. Help. Uh, so, Stephen Miller, you said uh, you get what you expect from it, or I don't, sorry, not a direct <laughs> quote, but uh, I agree. But for me, what I expected was a wait for rental, and I got a wait for rental. Um, so that is my verdict there. So. We're going to close out the episode and then get the spoilers. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, if people want to find me, then go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Carson Patrick? I don't have anything good to say. You can find Carson Patrick sitting on the other side of somebody during a visit eating eggs from a vending machine. Uh, me, you can find over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can, a bunch, you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Logan Lucky, so hopefully you're enjoying that. That is the end of the visual review. We're going to have a short spoiler segment uh, coming up here in just a few moments. Music's going to fade in, and when it fades out, we'll be in full-blown spoilers. Everybody who's not sticking for spoilers, hope you enjoyed the review. See you next review. Everyone else, we'll be back in just a moment. We are back. Spoiler territory, the after little section of this review. We're talking full-blown spoilers for Logan Lucky. So, guys, I may have missed the point of this movie completely, (laughs) but was the whole heist to frame the NASCAR driver who fucked them in the bar? No, I don't think so. Uh, What was the point? Why did they not keep the money? And what was the point? So they kept plenty of money. Uh, so, So, like, his 12 rules for how to do a heist... The last one is no went don't be greedy, no went to walk away. Yeah. And so they basi- he basically knew that people were gonna be all after them, like if they stole this money, and he couldn't trust the people that he's working with, like the the Bang brothers. So what he decided to do <laughs> Bang Bros is Dot com. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> what what he decided to do is steal the money 
at a time when their accounting was down because they like made their computers be off so they weren't like keeping track of the money and then leave the truck with a lot of money still there so it could seem like the people just gave up and walked away that would make his partners no longer believe that he owed them money and like they wouldn't be flaunting it or doing things in a way that would like cause people to notice that something was off and then he just like patiently waited he had planted that other guy to be like an untrustworthy resource like so he knew the investigation would have been Seth MacFarlane. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, like I think Seth MacFarlane gave him the idea. He was like, this guy is going to be in NASCAR. I think we can do something here. But I think all of that was just, like, him laying low and not being too greedy and waiting until things cooled before the rest of the money was actually revealed. But it, but it appears that he takes zero money for himself because he still loses his daughter, loses his... Whatever that other relationship is with his wife, but like, so, so here's here's the part which makes it semi confusing is that like, I get that he's paying all the people involved in the project, so they get their cut, but he returns most of the money. But in that process, the NASCAR guy, like Hillary Swank, starts to think that he was in on it because of the inconsistencies in that guy's story. Mm-hmm. But then also he's still fucking over NASCAR because their claims versus what they get back from insurance doesn't seem to match up because of a bunch of things. So it's almost like... He's not fucking over NASCAR. He's fucking over the same insurance company that made him get fired at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The insurance company for the raceway. Mm. That's the people that he's like, getting vengeance on here. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But I, I didn't read that he didn't take money. I just think he's living but no, careful. He's living within his means. But I don't think any, but the anything in the movie told me that he didn't keep cash. But the insurance company doesn't get a payout when the racetrack makes a claim. The The guy they're talking to at the end is an accountant for the racetrack. Or he yeah. Works, but like, yeah, so the only company that really lost money is the insurance that had to make a payout. But Hillary Swank is implying that there was a claim made higher than the amount that was potentially stolen, which to me means that, like, they could potentially bust NASCAR for fraud in their claim. Mm. See, I wasn't seeing this as him trying to frame NASCAR in some way. I saw that as just a way of showing that, like, the insurance money is all that really happened, and Hillary Swank is realizing that everyone involved is greedy and, like, no longer feeling some kind of obligation to crack the case. Yeah. But anyway, the insurance company is the one that wound up having to pay for this. And that's like the moral whatever. But I, I never got the sense that he didn't pocket the money. I just think the movie didn't care to show you him flaunting the money. But why did he like move away from his daughter and have to go back to doing shitty work when he could well, have I think just he like... Did, for one thing, he wanted to lay low and not do anything that would indicate that he had just committed yeah. a robbery. Like he was being very clever about it, right? Like, yeah. Like waiting for his phone bill to finally be like his phone to be terminated to know that they're no longer listening in on what he's doing. I, I guess for me in, in a film that's like pretending to be so clever book ended with a situation involving this NASCAR driver and then him suddenly going cauliflower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end of the entire endeavor, the NASCAR guy is potentially being framed. Like it just feels like, like cause every single character in the entire movie is like, why would he just give back the money? And then at the end, like this guy getting framed, it seems like 
Is that the whole thing? He was like, fuck it, I got this plan. Mm. <laughs> this ridiculous plan that's going to lead to this one guy getting in trouble for this thing. I don't know. It just seemed... Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it as that. I just saw it as him being careful. And that is kind of what sets this apart. It makes him like the a much more like slow living within his means yeah. George Clooney because he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull off this heist. I'm not going to get too greedy. I'm going to be like really careful and easygoing about it and like who knows what he took in the end like he maybe just took enough to like pay his bills for a few extra months and then live with the joy that like he like the logan curse was lifted and they had pulled off this heist that's the other thing too is that like it's almost in a way because so many characters talk about the logan curse it's almost like he's like well i'm gonna do this heist but i'm totally gonna get fucked if i do this heist so at the end i'll just undo the heist so it's like I'm accomplishing the thing that I wanted to do, but I'm also voiding it so that my curse can't like affect me because in the end I gave her like it's almost like mm-hmm. a weird kind of like playing the fates a little bit where it's I don't know. It just yeah. seemed like it, it it was trying to be very very clever and there was a lot of th- ways that you could take the cleverness either overtly or not, but like I don't I don't know. Mm. Anyway, that's the only spoiler I really had. <laughs> I wasn't sure why the cockroaches were necessary. Like, I get they were telling them what pipe would lead outward, but you should know what pipe leads outward just by, like, watching money fly through at once. So also the silly thing, which I don't quite understand, is it felt like the place the money was going that they sucked out with the vacuum was not that vault. Because when you go to that vault, like where, when the cake is in the vault, you don't actually see like the tubes and the sucking machine. Like there, there's some weird disconnect there for me, which I, I didn't quite understand. Because hmm. it seemed like she worked at like a legitimate bank somewhere. Um, and I didn't quite understand like. Yeah, I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know why they eat cake in the vault anyway. Like she just had to have a pretend birthday that wasn't hers. She gets a payout at the end. Simply because they used her. Well, they broke her car. He was probably paying off the car damages or something. Yeah, but wh- why did they break her car again? <laughs> to distract so she would walk out so that the cake would get stuck in the vault. It all makes sense, it's Chris. Like a series End of, of episode. It is a series of things where it's like, this just, does not make too much sense. I'm just glad Steven was here to explain it much more eloquently. eloquently. See, I can't even talk eloquently than I could. Because, I mean, it all makes sense to me, but if I had to re-explain it, I, uh, I'd, be, I'd be done. I'd be like, Chaney Tatum is a hot anymore. What do you fucking want? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Although I did get the feeling that at the end, the, the curse was not reversed. I feel like that my interpretation of that was like, oh, they... You think Swank is on the prowl? Yeah, like they, 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 still, get, they still get effed. Like the curse is still in effect because you you kind of you assume like oh they got away with it and like there's that you know the camera comes around daniel craig's talking to riley keogh about oh tell me about that curse like they bring that up again and then you know comes around and adam driver we reveal that hillary swank is at the bar and adam driver you know pours her a drink and i don't know so to me that felt like a very deliberate like oh hey like it, it it felt like a very um it felt like uh the ending to a serious man where it was like he got the phone call was like hey you're gonna fucking die and then there's yeah. the tornado like it was like that kind of <laughs> thing where it was like the family curse 
came back to them even though they thought they were in the clear. You're saying a long, long time ago somebody in the Logan family killed a Dybbuk. I also just want to yes. point out how many Cohen comparisons have happened in this episode. Yes. Um, but that but, was but, yeah. that was my takeaway was that it was like kind of like the serious man ending where like yeah. they so thought I, they I, had... I couldn't I couldn't read it because I don't know what Hillary Swank was doing with that character cuz she was like very stilted seeming on purpose. But that meant like at the end I couldn't tell if she was still being herself and interested in the investigation or she had just like given up on the rest of the world because like the people she was trying to help were like annoyed her just as much. And she had some kind of begrudging respect for this, like pull them up by your bootstraps group. They got away with this. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell how to read it because I don't know what her character. I mean, it also felt like that she was just like very driven and um, she was just determined to figure out who did this. Mm-hmm. Um, like she wasn't satisfied with In a very you know Fargo way she was. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this case. Yeah, like I, I mean, I just I don't think she took satisfaction in the the accountant guy telling her all that info. Mm. You know, I don't because I, mean, I mean she, she just liked liked Adam Driver's character after uh, probably uh, I mean, how who... shitty Seth MacFarlane was. Yeah, I mean, he did go to Army. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but that's how I saw it, but, yeah. So, my last question. The uh, the one girl who we were talking about before the episode started. Riley um, Keo. Yeah, yeah. What is her relationship to the characters? She's the she's sister. sister. Okay, so she's the sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I know at the very beginning it does kind of play like she might be his, like, new girlfriend yeah, or something. Yeah, his new girlfriend. But they, they mentioned a few times that she's, like the aunt of the girl and yeah. she's his sister well, it is the south we don't we don't know that she's not also the girlfriend that's true <laughs> that was the thing i thought was clever is when she she like eggs the the guy from the office on about how his car isn't a real car and it's not a stick shift to get oh, it yeah, so they yeah. run away, the getaway car will be a better car i thought that was clever it was clever yeah <laughs> but that I was mean, the speed of this movie it wasn't like mind fuck things it was just like huh didn't know you were doing that. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally with you on that. Like, yeah. Mm. I. <laughs> uh, we out. <laughs> Adam NASCAR driver. All right, I'm done. <laughs> nice. I picked this song because it's my daddy's favorite. <laughs>